Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Blake Rain is an artist who was born in Delaware and lives and works in Brooklyn. After receiving his BFA at CalArts in the early 90s, he spent a short amount of time in Berlin before getting settled in Brooklyn. He's had solo shows at Miguel Abreu Gallery, Campoli Press in Paris and London, 1301 PE in Los Angeles, Sutton Lane in London, and Green Neftali in New York City, to name a few from a long list. He's also shown in group shows at Gavin Brown, the Whitney Museum, the Langdon Foundation in Dusseldorf, the Sculpture Center in Long Island City, Matthew Marks in New York City, and many more. His work has been covered in Art Forum, The New York Times, Time Out New York, Freeze, Art Papers, Art in America, and several other publications. He's taught at Columbia University and is in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art, the Whitney Museum, the Portland Museum of Art, amongst others. I met up at Blake's Navy Yard Studio in Brooklyn for a pretty heady talk about his work, process, history, and a little skateboarding talk on top. His work's nimble and thoughtful, and nothing if not interesting. Here's our conversation. I feel like I'm constantly down there. It's amazing. I mean, I lived, you know, a block and a half from the water for, uh, I don't know, like 15 years, and it was never a place that we went. It was yeah. really like, you know, Manhattan was so organized to kind of like avoid kind of the water right. in some ways. And so it's been, um, that's been one of the benefits of yeah. what's happened in the last 15 years, more yeah. access to kind of like the waterways. Except, except they kick out a lot of the studio buildings and, you know, the yeah, artists yeah, yeah. in the studios. Because I know a bunch of people, when I first came here, who had studios down by the water, and there's so few of those left. It's all developed. Yeah. But I guess we move east or south or... <laughs> Or yeah. north, yeah, yeah. All yeah. Right. So you've been in Williamsburg for ninety uh, two since ninety two. Yeah. So you've seen it. I mean, I didn't get there till the late nineties. You've seen it full on change. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, when I first moved there, it was <clears throat> still kind of um, kind of the after effect of like the shifting tax laws where all kind of light industry had moved to Jersey or yeah. out to Queens and the, um, like the quantity of boarded up buildings and abandoned buildings uh, in between the river and Driggs on one sort of like uh, direction and then between kind of the Williamsburg Bridge and McCarran Park. Yeah. Like that entire area was was really like boarded up. Yeah. I mean, there was not, you know, there wasn't even a, a coffee shop on Bedford. Right. Was, uh, I mean, Rosemary's was there. You know, and that Bliss. Old bar. Remember Bliss? Wasn't that the first way before? Place? No, before oh, Bliss was, before was a place called. Uh, I'm gonna say it was Cafe Pick Me Up, but that might have been in Los Angeles. But there was. Uh, there was one coffee shop, which is the first coffee shop right there, and then maybe like Veracruz. Bliss might have been oh, yeah, where the old coffee shop was. Right. 
that was the first one. Everything else, Bedford Avenue was 100% plywood boarded yeah. up and, you know. Could you imagine taking the, one of those people who opened those first shops on Bedford and then just blacking them out for like 15 years and then waking them up? Yeah. To today <laughs> would be crazy. It's so different. I mean, it's, it's went through all those changes. But, yeah. Because I remember when I was there in the late 90s walking to Bedford, it was fine, but over by the bridge, you know, because I had to go under the bridge, it wasn't that nice. You know? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but it was, it was okay. I've heard stories of, you know, I think the first time I visited that area, I knew a guy when I was in undergraduate school who had an apartment right next to the Williamsburg Bridge where Broadway Diner was, you yeah, know, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back then, I swear, I went to visit and there were like tumbleweeds going through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just empty. No, and, you know, there was like, pink slip drag racing down Kent Avenue. There was no stoplights between yeah. the bridge and like North 6. It was like, you know, whatever it was, 15 blocks of just... Straight away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's so different now. But you were, so you were in California, but before then, where did you grow up? I grew up in the eastern shore of Maryland. Yeah. And, and then Los Angeles, you know, where I went to CalArts. And uh, after CalArts, I intended on moving to Europe, went to Berlin and... Uh, was uh, unable to kind of get work and really make that happen. And um, on the way back to LA, I stopped in here in New York and ended up staying. Stayed. Uh, yeah. Did you know like what? How did you end up at Cal Arts? Did you know in high like in high school were you just really into art? Or? No, like in high school, I. That's a specific program. To yeah, it is, and it's it wasn't. I mean, I I don't I didn't fully like. I didn't like self-identify as an artist mm-hmm. in high school, although there was an interest because yeah. the art room was <clears throat> certain, like it is in many high schools. It certainly was like the place where, um, you know, all the kind of uh, you know discontent, yeah, um, and all the discontents would find themselves right. and, safe zone, and nobody really knew um, what was going on there. Like, you know, of course, like in high school, I mean, my art teacher was amazing, but, um, but it, uh, she didn't present like a program that indicated that what counted as being an artist was kind of like a fixed way. Yeah. And, um, you know, because of that, it allowed for kind of like the feeling that kind of like experimentation and Mm -hmm. different kinds of conversations can emerge there that were unable to emerge in the math room or the literature room yeah so were your parents creative did they do did they work in that sector nope no no um you know i think you know i think that was like the first identification was like for many people was uh, just being kind of like dissatisfied with whatever kind of the program appeared to be mm-hmm. and um, and wanting to see alternatives yeah and the art room certainly was a place where um, like that seemed accepted and also promoted and so I went to Los Angeles I went to first to the Claremont colleges yeah and I uh, was primarily interested in working, I think, 
because of just taking a video class. You mm-hmm. know, I think that that uh, documentary slash arty video work was yeah. really attractive. And um, but while I was there, uh, it was recommended to me to sort of go and take like a foundation class for drawing and 2D design principles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the place was um, Otis Parsons to do that right. because that was like a, a you know, sort of very famous undergraduate sort of like foundation program. Mm-hmm. And so that, while I was there, um, you know, I had some amazing teachers like Roy Dowell, the painter, mm-hmm. and Chris Williams was teaching there, teaching kind of like a, like a, I guess kind of a, an art issues yeah. class. And uh, is that when you feel like it kind of it yeah. sunk in, like you caught the bug? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. when, and that's also when I became aware of Cal Arts and it didn't seem like going back to uh, to Claremont was the thing to do. Yeah. So. Was Claremont a painting-heavy school at that point? Because wasn't Roland Reese was? Does this pre-Roland Reese? I feel like he was the director there then. Maybe. I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah. Uh, but um, did just CalArt seem more serious, like a more serious program? Or? Well, the, at the Claremont colleges, it was a pretty decentralized array of campus or of colleges you know I think Mm -hmm. there's five or something like that and there isn't one that uh, that I think kind of like identifies as having kind of a really strong art program the graduate program is different okay Um, this is I have no idea what's going on there now right that was the thing and when I was in Los Angeles and living in Los Angeles uh, in you know just like the late '80s, um, you know Cal Arts was was kind of like the spot. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like difficult to avoid. You would hear about it, and going to visit it was like a, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the place, yeah. right? Definitely. And great faculty. Yeah, amazing yeah. faculty. Um, you know, of course. Yeah, amazing faculty. I mean. Tom Lawson is an extraordinary uh, like artist and, and teacher. And uh, same, of course, with Michael Asher, and Catherine Lord, and Millie Wilson, and Sandy Cohen. And mm-hmm. So it was just a... I mean, I think the, the energy of that moment was first that there felt to be kind of um, a significant distance between Los Angeles and Valencia. Mm-hmm. Um, LA hadn't really expanded in that direction out on the five. Nice. So um, it really felt like you were going to some kind of like distant campus yeah. where everything was um, located within one building. And that building was architecturally developed to kind of um, for its future. Um, in case of failure as an art school to become a hospital. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, two, I think, two, yeah, two underground floors and it's uh, really wide hallways and, you know, people could live in the studio. You didn't have to get a dorm or an apartment. You could just live in your studio. And That's nice. so, <clears throat> you know, and it, 
there was like the daytime of classes and then at night the uh, um, you know it was just uh, all the residents the artists living in their studios and you know it was always sort of uh, in one's interest to try to become friends with people in the theater school mm -hmm. so you could have access to the showers and all that stuff and um, it was unavoidable to sort of become curious about like uh, Balmy's Gamelan and because it was all so it, it was really um, both kind of a condensed and uh, taught space yeah but also one where um, it would have been where it was impossible to kind of avoid kind of like the influences of all the different mediums of yeah. art and critical theory and dance and theater, music, animation. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was very, very super vibrant. There was also kind of, it was also a moment to speak, you know, to that time when at least kind of the, um, <clears throat> the kind of, uh, I mean, one, the one side there was still like really within kind of a, uh, um, a very intense moment of like the AIDS crisis. So, mm -hmm. Um, kind of like activism was a very um, palpable um, trajectory of practice that people were um, increasingly becoming interested in. The other side, there was um, kind of uh, this feeling that the story, like the 80s is over and so there was um, not much of like a fantasy of uh, um, you know getting out of school, getting a gallery, and then making eating sushi and yeah. champagne or whatever. <laughs> right. That just wasn't there. Wasn't like that image to kind of contribute to kind of an imaginary of how like kind of like career and life practice could be, mm -hmm. and so the kind of commitment of and kind of the real kind of uh, consideration and commitment of the teachers um, sort of gave kind of like a model that there could be kind of just like another way to do it. Um, so that it was an important moment. It was that. kind of instilled. You feel like that kind of instilled. Yeah. Better or worse. And when I look at your work and the work that I've seen of yours, it has this feeling that it can go anywhere. Like you can, you can kind of address different ideas, and it just feels like there seems to be a freedom in it. You know what I mean? That you're not tethered to one sort of way of, of making. And do you think that that was part of coming to age in that sort of environment, or is that just something that you kind of bring to the table? No, I, don't, I mean, there's of course we're. Um, <clears throat> Uh, at that moment, um, legacies of sculpture and conceptual art um, uh, had come to privilege like the concept of site specificity. Mm -hmm. And that uh, 
became kind of, I think that for that reason, um, the way that like particularities of, um, of kind of uh, like a project mm-hmm. um, in relationship to kind of like a time and place and this kind of thing, I think that was one way that kind of uh, um, was one way that um, context, if we want to call it that, like a, like the framing mechanisms outside of form, yeah, um, <clears throat> would be worked with via um, both base iconography and text Mm -hmm. that would um, contribute to kind of the critique of form was one reason that I think my work in varying degrees um, is interested in the way that um, uh, um, the work is both like shaping and being shaped um, in relationship to various conditions of display yeah. and scenarios. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, I mean, but as much as you can say context was one way that <clears throat> um, people were interested in kind of like the critique of form, you could also say that it was process. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of um, a way that um, like working with kind of like the active procedures available to the subject um, or I like trace um, uh, form would be um, kind of like subjected uh, kind of um, the critique of like its linguistic descendant as transforming Mm -hmm. right via via process right and that kind of um, uh, that was also kind of like uh, like an important um, uh, like vector that was emerging at the time, more informed by deconstruction and post-structuralism, mm-hmm. perhaps. And then, and then third, of course, was like a uh, was kind of um, maybe uh, questions of usage, and I think kind of as a lot of artists, this maybe bifurcated to more of direct political activism and uh, community building, things mm-hmm. like this. But usage was to say that like working with um, formalized instructions and scripts, um, uh, there could be kind of um, uh, a question of like performing. Right. You know? And so <clears throat> those things like through context, like, you know, informing process, transforming and usage, um, performing were kind of like kind of constituted like kind of like the three pronged attack reform. And that um, to say this, so I'm just trying to maybe kind of kind of come to that question of um, of the way that kind of a work can appear um, 
um, with different manifestations mm -hmm. in relationship to different scenarios. I mean, I think um, like I'm less interested in my work being um, like a demonstration of, yay, you can do anything or yeah. anywhere or whatever, yeah. and more about um, trying to be to a degree um, uh, sensitive to um, kind of uh, like the particularities of, of uh, um, the like the vectors of practice I want to contribute to mm -hmm. and the ones I want to be critical towards yeah. and that would be so <clears throat> as um, like during you know maybe kind of an example that's uh, you know would be after teaching for 10 years mm -hmm. um, there was a uh, there was certainly kind of like that moment for me where um, you know I was uh, both uh, excited about or interested in the possibility of what would happen to my work if I wasn't always held in relation to um, the kind of the story of stability of mm -hmm. a good teaching gig right and um, but then at the same time of course I was you know worried yeah. and so the question there became kind of uh, you know am I going to become like a uh, um, am I really going to go for it as like a like super pro artist yeah um, or am I going to uh, get another Teaching gig. Yeah. Um, were you out of school for a while before you started teaching? Yeah. You ten were. Years, yeah. So you had that that feeling yeah. wasn't unfamiliar of. No, you know, but I had a kid that you know, and right. so it was it's different circumstances. And rent was not the same as it was in the early nineties. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, that's but what I always wonder about young kids who are graduating now. It's that's a different, a whole different environment they're jumping into. Yeah. And what kind of pressure does that force upon? their practice, you know, because it affects, I mean, where you are, what you can afford, if you can get a space, you know, all those things yeah. really affect the way you make work. Those are the, so that was the scenario where whether you're going to teach or whether you're going to try to make a living as a painter, yeah. artist, um, like either way, which became really apparent was that I had to produce an application. Yeah. So, or I had to make an application in that sense. And so, um, <clears throat> so the way to kind of uh, to deal with that was to take kind of um, like a standard job application where you know resume recommendations um, examples of work mm -hmm. uh, statements of teaching philosophy you know this yeah. um, and to take those kind of constitutive elements of a, of a job application and then uh, and use that as kind of like the script to produce a show, which would then be called folder and application. Right. Where <clears throat> the the first thing typically in the application would be kind of like the cover letter. So that was the easiest in the sense that uh, you know um, that I just took a, a felt A and draped it over uh, like a like a canvas. Yeah. And that kind of produced kind of like cover letter um, 
so yeah, but th so that would be kind of like a way that I mean, that's certainly not a question of, uh, or that would be kind of a very, um, or I don't know if I would use that as a, a definition of like site specificity or working within that kind of trajectory. But that was like a way to, um, uh, to kind of um, for that to happen at that moment. Yeah, because it was true. Right. You know. Well, I think. I don't know how you feel about this, but like in, let's say you take someone who's making work and they're not even necessarily thinking about where that's going to be shown, you know what I mean? And they're just working on their work and they're making incremental changes and thinking about different things in the way that they're making it that kind of informs how the work moves, you know? And that is sort of, that process is, is kind of, like the changes that you're making, let's say if it's painting or working with different materials and sculpting, that can guide your work. But in the same way, you know, you can also flip that and use to a large extent where that work is going to be shown as a vehicle for how that work is going to be made as well. Whatever it takes you to know. get it going. Isn't that really what it is? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, like there's musicians who are in a band and they work with those four guys and they make albums over yeah. and over and they, they work on their next album and try to like tweak the last album or build off something or change something, whatever it is. Yeah. And then there's session guys who go around and, and they're informed by the new guys that they're playing with all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? If it's this like jazz saxophonist who plays completely different, you know, it's going to change the way that they think about, you know, their next record or whatever. So it's, it's really at the end of the day kind of like how do you just keep pushing and making things, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in your work, in you know, I've seen a couple of your shows here in New York, and then I've seen you work in art fairs. But I'm I love the fact that when I see your work, I don't know what. I'm, there's a lot of artists that you feel like you kind of know what you're gonna get, and I feel like with your work, I don't really know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's I not mean, easy I, to that's, do. That's but. good and bad. I mean, for a while, I thought. I mean, like you know, artists that I was really interested in, uh, I mean, you know, of course, because, you know, I didn't learn about, like, uh, someone like Ligia Clark via, mm -hmm. um, like, museums, or, right. it's, like, I had it through conversations and books, yeah. and so, um, the kind of, uh, you know, of course, like, the difference between her work kind of the end of her career and mm -hmm. the beginning is so it's so extraordinary yeah, yeah. but it's um, so that was something that was interesting uh, it wasn't interesting for the fact that it was varied but it was interesting for the fact that there are alternative ways to um, a kind of demand for um, just like uh um, uh, a kind of self-reproduction mm -hmm. of just st um, sticking to it. Yeah. You know? Right. And um, not to say I don't admire artists who have opened up um, uh, kind of the extraordinary complexities and uh, process mm -hmm. through kind of um defining very specific set parameters like Robert Ryman yeah. kind of a great example of that mm -hmm. and that's but <clears throat> it's uh, through attraction or whatever that 
people like, you know, Polka or DJ Clark or yeah. Marcel Brothers were um, of more interest. Yeah. Um, so you were responding to those people. From those were artists that yeah. um, I was, that were, yeah, kind of important to me yeah. and are important to me. Well, what made you, when you finished in California, when you finished with school, what made you want to jump to Europe? I'd never been. And, yeah. um, you didn't fall into that East Coaster goes to the West Coast and and just never returns. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Which happens, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful out there and there's a different pace and but yeah, you wanted to go to Europe. I mean that wasn't kind of the I mean the story wasn't like you know, kind of like a forever where to go. Yeah. And um <clears throat> um you know, at the time Berlin was you know, super exciting yeah. and or would hear word of it mm-hmm. and um, there was always a very particular kind of you know German Los Angeles connection mm-hmm. and certainly Kippenberger's you know last shows and his time in Los Angeles I mean he was around and um, that was kind of uh, he certainly was an artist that was uh, really um, contributing to the conversation at the time yeah so you went and spent some time there before you yeah. came back to New York? Yeah. How long were you there? Three months. Yeah. Did it have an effect? Huh? Just a good trip? I met, <coughs> met, a, lot know, met a lot of people that yeah. some are still friends and, um, you know, got to see, you know, got to go to a lot of museums, which, you know, I'd never really done before, mm-hmm. except for the museums in Los Angeles. Like Los Angeles was really the first time I ever went to art museums and um, but yeah did you eventually get to show your work in Berlin um, in Berlin like have you yeah been, I've been in some have you been back oh yeah I have been I mean I, just, I did a show in Berlin uh, you know like all these kind of uh, feelings of uh, the particularities of um art worlds and art scenes like it's um, versus kind of the constant story of um, kind of uh, the global market and globalization mm-hmm. it's um, you know all those kind of games of of, uh, of like artists where or, or where we are supposed to imagine and feel okay Mm -hmm. that the work can just go anywhere and um and that's true and i think that's important but it's also um uh, like a question of like where the work starts from yeah you know and kind of like the attitudes that constitute that kind of studio you know right and so um, yeah. Do I mean, you feel like showing in New York? You have, since you're based here now, that that has a more directly, you have more, more direct voice with the audience since it's made here. Well, sometimes it feels that um, the kind of uh, um, the conversations that I'm involved with. Um, uh, I can 
really have uh, one person in mind, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And at times, um, uh, and hopefully, kind of the particularity of that conversation can find like a social form. Yeah. So it's, um, but, but it depends on the day. Right. You know, like whether or not, um, like the interest is to kind of contribute to, um, uh, like a vector of withdrawal and um, the fortification of uh, um, the intensities of micro communities mm-hmm. versus those days where the vector is more one of um, a kind of, uh, um, of of like outreach and. Um, uh, Kind of connecting through um, particular uh, identifications, mm-hmm. and so those kind of <clears throat> that kind of um, yeah, as I said, that depends on what day yeah. it is. Right. And it's uh, there are times where um, uh, I've felt um, uh, that uh, I was being. I was feeling kind of like the pressure to um, uh, articulate the work in a manner that um, uh, um, would make sense to everybody, you know, (laughs) and that kind of, uh, um, that kind of uh, getting pushed into that kind of corner typically, um, is something you can work with that yeah. kind of demand, mm-hmm. but then it's important to simultaneously, um, as at, when working with that, it's also important to register kind of a counterpoint to that kind of uh, um, to that kind of demand. Yeah, and the counterpoint would be kind of uh, you know. Critical particularity, mm-hmm. and um, in relation to kind of departicularized, I guess kind of global impulse, maybe yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But so that kind of so it's always so it's not a it really is to say that um, uh, to to contribute to kind of like. The toolbox. I see. I don't see my work as kind of. Uh, um, I don't want it to be confused as freedom or mm-hmm. with freedom. It's. Uh, um, but that's not to say I don't think that um, there isn't like a degree of openness, yeah. right? But openness yeah. is not to be misrecognized as right. freedom, and so <clears throat> it's. A, um, so it's just important in kind of the contribution to the toolbox um, that uh, it's important to be able to um, turn away mm-hmm. you know and that it's not uh, it's not this was kind of like for me you know the conversation that um, was that it felt 
at a particular moment um, in kind of the 90s that um, that no was an impossibility mm-hmm. and that um, all we could we were relegated to the various ways that we can manipulate complicities right and that was kind of the modalities of yesness and that kind of um, uh, I think that kind of like increased and accelerated to such an extent that um, the kind of suppressed kind of like legacies of um, of antagonism, resistance, opacity, um, uh, um, you know, were uh, like had to kind of bubble up yeah. and return, and so that was uh, that was an interest. I mean, certainly, um, you know. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that I think uh, a lot of the artists that I'm associated with mm-hmm. were contributing to um, kind of uh, those kind of ideas and conversations. Yeah. Oh. So whenever you come to the the studio on any given day, are you kind of like a daily studio person, or do you come in spurts, or how's it? I, I pretty daily. Yeah, I try to do something every day. Yeah. And um, are you like a, a news, a silence, a music person in the studio, or how do you work? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> uh, the for, it's pretty. There's a there's certainly like a sometimes um, I work here. Yeah. Sometimes over there, but uh, uh, but yeah, like I try to. Um, I typically drink coffee and listen to. Uh, BBC, yeah, and, and that's to get going or something. A couple emails, yeah. Um, music is, uh, yeah. I think, um, you know, sometimes it's interesting mm-hmm. to listen to music. Sometimes it's uh, distracting. Or, yeah, depends on what you're working on, the mood and all that yeah. stuff. Were you a big music fan growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Did you play any music? Uh, nope. Did you skateboard? I still skateboard. Okay. That's because yeah. you were mentioning film too. Yeah. And I was thinking California and film. And a lot of people of our, I think we're pretty close in age. Huh? I think uh, a lot of people of our generation were fans of skateboarding. Yeah. There was something in that counterculture and like the visual culture of it and the music and the feeling of it that felt yeah. like, like you were saying, those art classes or you know the art room where you could go in and feel kind of like oh this is a spot I feel comfortable in yeah you know and that a lot of uh, artists of our generation responded to the skateboarding culture yeah skateboarding um, seemed to be kind of uh, and this is still why I skate almost Mm -hmm. you know four days a week in the morning at the little bowl right up here Uh at uh, Concordia um But uh, skateboarding and surfing, or skateboarding in particular, seemed to be uh, kind of like a really cool kind of um, uh, an interesting activity for uh, for 
increasing awareness about the way that kind of the built environment like shapes our activities mm -hmm. and movements through both kind of um, you know uh, like disinterest attraction reaction mm -hmm. so um, and that skateboarding became uh, um, with kind of um, like the emergent um, um, uh, paving over of um, what appeared to be um, less um, less written zones mm -hmm. of New York yeah. in kind of the 90s, uh, really during the Giuliani administration into the Bloomberg administration, that skateboarding seemed to be um, kind of an expanding um, kind of uh, culture for kind of like um, for dealing with uh, that paving over. Yeah. Where kind of we contribute to a toolbox of like repurposing and um, and uh, um, uh, shifting and taking kind of what you could uh, identify as like negative and mm -hmm. turn it into something, you know. Yeah. And that was uh, whether it's sort of more <coughs> kind of like a a supplement in relation to as kind of like a pharmacon or whether it's um, kind of a, like an interface between um, sort of uh, or kind of like a legacy of situationist gesturality mm -hmm. as a kind of um, dance gesture um, kind of writing practice yeah, that uh, that seemed to be something, but it's also um, you know for me it's like a lot more fun than jogging. Or yeah. like it's exercise too. You know, it's exercise. Yeah. So, it's situationist and it's exercise. I'm not really. I'm not certainly. I'm not expanding kind of uh, the syntax and development of new moves <laughs> out there at the forefront of skateboarding. Yeah. So it's like, um, but you're getting a workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Although at, at our age, it is a little risky. We're taking, like I was skateboarding to my studio back and forth, and one day I had, I hit a crack, you know, or like yeah. a rock. You know how you could be skating. I skated my whole youth, you know. Yeah. And I went for a while without it when I was in school and stuff. And then I, when I was living in Brooklyn, I would skate over to my studio, and I had my backpack with my laptop in it. I hit one of those pebbles and made that awful sound. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Flying, uh, hit it, and I just flew forward, landed on my side, and my backpack swung around, and my laptop just broke. I crushed my laptop yeah, like yeah. in the corner, broke, and then I got you know I wasn't injured, injured, but the pain like it lasts a lot longer now than it used to when I was like fifteen yeah, or yeah, sixteen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then I thought back to my last move that I did when I was skating when I was younger, right before I went to college, and I was trying like a a handrail, like it had the one kink in it, it was like a long step. Yeah. And I ollied up and the board just gave out and I hit right in the midsection, you know? And I, yeah, I yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. I couldn't that's... sit for a couple of weeks. Mm. And I was like, all right, that's a wrap. I'm gonna <laughs> take a break from this. It's, um, 
But it is good exercise. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, I, I see old friends and meet yeah. friends, and it's good. Yeah, they just built a new skate park over by my place in Cooper Park. In Cooper, yeah. yeah. Which it's, is, too, it's too kind of uh, street-centric yeah, it's, for my mode of yeah. skating. Did you carve any pools when you were out in L.A.? Uh-huh. Did you used to... Not really. Like, I was mostly... I mean, I grew up primarily surfing, and yeah. skating was kind of the... You know, what you did when there was no waves. Right, right. When I was in California, there was plenty of waves. Oh, that's so. true. So you still surfed? Today? Yeah, I still yeah. surfed, yeah. Out in Long Island? Yeah. It's yeah. nice, right? Yeah. A little break from the... The it's city, it's so close, and yeah, I was just out in, uh, you know, Jacob Reese and uh, going out to uh, Jones Beach area and stuff. It's so close, but it's, you know, it's a nice break from the city. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, when you're, I guess, you know, in the studio and making what you said, you know, working around, like I was thinking about walking in and seeing those you know, the pieces that you do with metal, I believe it's metal, you know, mm -hmm. those sort of sculptural drawings, that feels kind of like, you know, navigating or drawing through space. And I was interested in architecture and how it, or paths and how, you, yeah. you know, that integrates into your work. But then you also make these beautiful paintings that are linear and feel like some sort of migration or, but there's a real, with those, there's obviously much more of an aesthetic choice to it and a, callback to certain kinds of painting or to yeah, I'm not work. sure which paintings you're referring like to. Like the the ones I forget the name of the the show that you had, but they there's there's sort of paintings of just this line work that moves around the oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, surface. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. they're yeah. kind of beautiful, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. much different than, you know, bending metal or, or working with those materials. You know, how is that how do both of those different ways of working complement each other and like what is the sort of impetus behind making that work which is really similar in one way but in in a visual way it's it's very different too yeah they were really different projects but certainly um they're really different projects but the i guess like um drawing metal yeah and kind of um <clears throat> that work um emerged in relationship to uh, both my own scenario of like moving out of a studio, a uh, particular production site mm -hmm. for after 24 years, and then moving to the Navy Yard and that material, which perhaps I'd seen before but hadn't noticed, I found a single roll mm -hmm. of that material, which had been discarded in the parking lot between kind of like the dry dock and this building. Yeah. And it's, the steel banding is, uh, I guess, typically used for um, various kinds of containerization um, Are those the ones they processing. hold things onto pallets with? Yeah, yeah. They, that would be one thing to do with it. And um, so that material, which is typically used for, um, for kind of like binding yeah. purposes, was to um, one kind of allow kind of one gesture to kind of emerge, mm -hmm. um, which retains kind of the kinks of a particular um, scenario of usage in tracing an already made um, embankment, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So whether that's a wall or whatever kind of um, 
uh, whatever the embankment is. So that kind of um, that kind of uh, that record of like an impression that will never be um, it can be smoothed over the steel can be smoothed over you, know, you can attempt to kind of like unbend it right. get it back but you're never going to get it it's back there. Kind yeah, of, yeah. it's there so <clears throat> it was then to kind of um, utilize that kind of um, that uh, that material in kind of uh, partially um, to uh, uh, produce um like a sequence of paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they informed the paintings, basically. The the material like there is no there isn't any drawing. It's like when the <clears throat> so if a, like the hundred feet of material unspooled is um, unwieldy. Yeah. It goes where it goes, right? Then <laughs> the material in its kind of like unspooling and re-spooling mm-hmm. formed by the scenario of its um, you know, spooling and unspooling, right? Yeah. So the bends, uh, the shapings that occur to the material. So it's gathering that material back. There's now an idiosyncratic kind of site of compression, mm-hmm. right? And so my the interest became to me, <laughs> I guess it sounds crazy, but like the the interest to me was kind of um, the activity of gathering and then allowing for that kind of like material to um, part, like after being let go to kind of like uh, self organize mm-hmm. via kind of um, like the tension and. Uh, of uh, like inherent in the bent metal yeah. curve, so <clears throat> it becomes kind of a like a physics of a tail, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And that kind of um, so the material, like the as we call the steel, like held in in kind of like a uh, is held temporarily within. A, uh, a kind of um, like a frame, a framing device, right? Which would be um, you know, a picture frame. Yeah. And so that, uh, um, so it wasn't to say it wasn't quite going to kind of um, like like a throw of the dice, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly was um, meeting it halfway, yeah. you know? And <clears throat> the, the issue with that kind of like device um, is to say, or that piece, is to say that um, it uh, can um, uh, um, contribute to um, the kind of uh, um, and make a set of moves which are determined by um, uh, both kind of like the geometric preconditions um, of a scenario, like a piazza, mm-hmm. and also um, the kind of uh, the dynamic capabilities and capacities um, and kind of like a relational understanding of it. So the work would be... Um, 
more kind of it's not I'm not interested in it as a representational device. I'm more interested in it as a um, uh, to contribute to more of kind of like a diagrammatic mm -hmm. understanding. You yeah. know? And <clears throat> anyway, this the and it was the not uh, you know um, like the line uh, which um, is suspended between um, kind of the aesthetic uh, conditions mm -hmm. of um, uh, um, prior to kind of the monochrome maybe, yeah. and then um, kind of like the assembly line, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, after that, are kind of to say that it's um, kind of like made and remade. Yeah. You know? and so it's a drawing. It's a question about drawing. What's yeah. interesting to me too is you have such a sort of analytical way to describe this method of taking it. But what I respond to in the story of all that, or the in the narrative of like you found this stuff and then this is what happens, is the sort of poetics of looking at the phenomenon of the migration of that material out there to in here. Yeah. And the poetry of that. And then to, there is a poetry to it, right? That, that's moving in and out, or it's unbinding or binding, or it's, there's some sort of... In theater. Yeah. So yeah, but... It's poetry, it's, theater. And you, you, yeah, exactly. But you would think that that poet, a lot of times in, you know, let's say a painter's, yeah. uh, the, the poetry in theater is, I went out and looked at flowers or, you know, a beach house and with the waves, and I painted that. And then people would see that and be like, yeah, that's what you, that's the poetry in the theater that we expect. But then when they come in and see that, that's not necessarily the poetry, you know, because you're kind of taking this material that's so banal or so utilitarian and not often seen as a drawing or its capabilities of, or the poetics of the movement between its utilitarian, um, you know, usage and, and then its um, aesthetic capabilities. You know, that's kind of migrating um, beauty or form or space out of something that a lot of people don't bother with or wouldn't even contemplate. So to me, that's a big part of it. And I guess whenever I see the 2D work that invites in the aesthetic a little more naturally by the way that it's created, mm -hmm. the dynamic between those two things becomes even more interesting because now there's a triangulation between experience, material, and subjectivity that becomes kind of like an interesting soup, you know, mm. that has a different kind of flavor to it than just, you know, beef stew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a really interesting shift between the expected and the unexpected with materiality and the outcome of it. And I guess that's what I meant by it. It is maybe the wrong word to use of freedom, but I guess maybe the unexpected in seeing your work in the sort of shifts between how you accomplish a certain idea and how it, the end result and how they talk to each other is really interesting. Not only in like an image or in one show, but in over time and looking, you know, looking at something like a catalog where you could see those shifts or different ways of making over time, you know. I guess it's not necessarily a freedom, but there's, um, it's more, o it seems more open to, you know, um, making some sort of idea or a visual choice over many different materials or many different ways of, of making something, you know. 
Whereas I do think a lot of artists do um, force that within their own quote unquote like aesthetic or way of like this is the way I work, you know. I mean, I do it even in a way that's um, across what I think is multimedia. You know, I do animation, I do collage, I do drawing, and I do music, and I do painting. But I think I do my version of all those things. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get stuck in kind of like my aesthetic or what I feel like is, um, I don't know, intrinsic to me. Intuitive, yeah. You know? yeah. But um, from the outside, it just seems, I'm sure you have that same, you have those same tendencies. It just, it appears to be more open. You know what I mean? Which is nice, I think, <laughs> and unexpected. And I think everyone who has kind of like a rhythm to their work and then you see someone who's doing something unexpected like that, there's a certain, uh, I don't know, admiration for that, you know what I mean? Or, mm. or kind of like, um, I don't know, it just feels like very interesting. You know? I feel that Thanks. same way with, with musicians too, you know? There's certain musicians who are able to do that where they'll go from record to record and totally change, you know, the instrumentation or the, the programs they're using or whatever it is, but you get that feeling like, I don't really know what I'm going to get next. And it's kind of yeah. a, a really nice, I mean, you kind of know. As I said, like using kind of like the Ryman example mm -hmm. or the Ligia Clark example. Yeah. Like I don't look at Ligia Clark's work and say, oh, how is this possible for her to go from uh, um, this, uh, the geometric abstraction of the earlier work to, performance. to the performance? And it doesn't seem um, that the performance wasn't, you know, already there right. in the early work. Yeah. So it doesn't. No, but when you see it, it's really interesting when you when you, com not compare the two, but when, when it becomes in dialogue, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a, like if she never did those performances, you would, we, I would be perfectly happy with that, you know, those older abstract paintings and yeah. moving cubes and stuff. I mean, but when you see that, the more recent things, it, be it just becomes all the more interesting in a way, even yeah. if you're not a huge fan of it. I mean, like an artist like Joe Bear, her early work is some of my favorite work, yeah. you know? And her work she did in the 80s when she moved to Europe, like the paintings of, the loose paintings, I'm not that crazy about, but it's really interesting to see them next to each other. Yeah. Or that that artist made those choices. Yeah. Know? And um, that's, I, I think that's always a fascinating thing about someone who's been making work for long enough, who can withstand, <laughs> you know, who stick around and keep making work and keep changing their ideas or, you know, it just becomes uh, a really interesting thing to look back on or to compare in a way. You know, that becomes like kind of a value of that artist's work, I think. Even if, like I said, love it or hate it, or, you know, people make choices all the time. I'm always amazed when, you know, artists or musicians make that big shift or will will do something like performance after doing nothing but sculptures or paintings for decades, you know. Yeah, like those shifts, they're interesting because they don't... Um, uh, like when, in, like the, when, when it feels like there's like a... Like a, like kind of like a buffet. Mm -hmm. um, there can be kind of like the excitement of oh yay, um, like we have all these uh, modalities yeah. or styles mm -hmm. you can say. Um, but the kind of uh, um, modes of representation that are already available or already 
available. Yeah. And so it's a question, um, you know, uh, not just of kind of um, the kind of like the novelty of um, the shift in appearance, but it's um, the consistency of um, kind of like the vector of commitment and of practice. Yeah. Or, so it's um, so I have I go back and forth at times, you know, um, like I can look at, you know, an interesting thing when working on this book was, um, there was times where I was like, oh, like I've heard plenty of people um, be, or I've heard friends or people be interested in the shifts in the work, but I've also heard people complain about the shifts in right. the work. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but then kind of, you know, uh, um, it doesn't particularly feel like erratic in its kind of jumps yeah. to me. It's sort of, I mean, I, of course, I mean, I'm more interested in, um, I mean, I guess I'm probably more interested in, uh, you know, you know, Altman mm -hmm. or Kubrick yeah. Yeah. for those kind of reasons right. and that they, it doesn't seem the kind of uh, um, Nashville uh, certain is that is certainly quite distinct from shortcuts. Yeah. But um, it, uh, the kind of uh, um, the kind of particular intensities that constellate in those works um, uh, um, uh, forefront both the way that they connect and disconnect yeah. within every shot. You mm -hmm. know that. Um, so, and that's interesting, right? Yeah, that's for me. That's like, like those, those are two filmmakers that are of particular interest. You know? Yeah. Definitely. So those are two good, really good examples too. I was thinking someone like Michel Gondry can like move in and out of a lot of different ways of making, but he always maintains that kind of Gondry esque vibe to what he's doing. You know, that yeah. quirkiness, but it can he can shell it in a lot of different ways. You know, the thing, I'm not super familiar with his work, mm -hmm. but I'm not interested in kind of um, uh, like, um, and I'm not interested in contributing to kind of a concept that uh, that I'm through will I can bend <laughs> uh, um, any uh, um, uh, mode of representation right uh, to, to it to yeah. my will. you know it's um, but I am interested in kind of um, the way that uh, um um, like what happens when um, uh, uh, when things like film or sculptural uh, mediums through both analogy and through um, working with those mm -hmm. that um, that uh, or painting, for that matter, like um, um, can um, uh, 
yeah, can kind of uh, contribute to kind of what goes on in this studio, yeah. you know? And that, um, yeah, I mean, at times it's it comes a question of, uh, like, this, um, the kind of research occurring kind of, like, um, in the studio next door, um, uh, um, to what degree I found that kind of... Uh, distracting um, or attractive mm -hmm. or like the various degrees of both but it's this is I guess kind of I don't think about it as like um, like the appropriation of sculptural discourse right. to um, revitalize some old conception of like the medium painting mm -hmm. you know yeah. or of the or of kind of like the discourse of institutional critique or of I mean but I think a bit less is kind of an issue of like appropriation, which is based on concepts of like ownership and is more kind of, um, I'm interested in kind of like misappropriation, which is uh, more of um, an idea of borrowing that um, um, allows for kind of the slippage from or kind of the shift from the concept of autonomous zone mm -hmm. as um, bound within kind of like the big capital T time, you know? Yeah. And instead to say by shifting from kind of like appropriation to misappropriation, you could say um, uh, like semi-permanent autonomous zone mm -hmm. and by making that kind of shift you can then kind of uh, understand kind of the, the those four letters um, write the word spaz yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect and so kind of like um, so misappropriation and um, kind of concepts of like structural renewal from like uh, like informed by like post post anarchist or post post structuralist mm -hmm. like thought are kind of um, are important because they uh, um, um, say that kind of by um, it's not a question of like getting rid of it it's just a matter of um, uh, doing it again to render it kind of like redundant um, in order to um, then contribute to um, uh, um, something else, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And so, but... What do you say to your, uh, to your students as far as their work and how to sort of make it the best they can be like what kind of advice do you give your students uh, I don't know it's a, uh, um, I think that when when kind of in particular like within kind of like undergraduate class or graduate class or different you know different classes different mm -hmm. course different um, issues yeah. but it seems to be for me in my experience that undergraduate um, painting class uh, 
there is a primary objective of um, like demystification mm-hmm. um, because of like the preciousness that can kind of be ascribed to kind of the activity. Yeah. Um, so demystification is one thing which can I can contribute to through mm-hmm. a set of um, exercises maybe, mm-hmm. and then second would be. Um, uh, to kind of contribute to kind of a discursive site where um, the term uh, painting can be uh, kind of um, pluralized and relativized. So that might happen through another kind of assignment where it might be like, okay, so first assignment, um, uh, everybody um, make a painting on um, like a pair of canvas board or something Mm -hmm. where one is what you consider to be kind of um, the best painting in the world and one where you consider to be the worst painting in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds Um, pretty good. I'm sure those are really good paintings to critique. And so all of those, when they go on the wall, don't, there's a need to be a critique. You yeah. get kind of that kind of collection where, you know, one kid might go, uh, okay, here's my worst painting. And it's like a, kind of like a, um, like a, like an impeccably rendered photorealistic depiction of like a, like a mushroom cloud or something, you know? <laughs> right. And that, and then for kind of like, um, for like the best painting might be kind of, uh, um, uh, um, you know, like sort of uh, Jackson Pollock-esque kit, sort of uh, drips. Yeah. And so, um, and then of course, like some kid is gonna go, oh, my worst painting is gonna, you know, it's gonna be the opposite of that. Right, it's gonna so be the best, yeah. So that kind of, um, I sort of like to kind of get, how do you sort of just get it going versus yeah. like sitting around going like, oh, are we all gonna figure out, like, or are we gonna all be stuck by this imagination that there's gonna be <laughs> the masterpiece? Yeah, one yeah, yeah. where it all comes together, you know. And so that's for an undergraduate. And then, like, you know, for graduate students, it's just use it. Or just have conversations, and yeah. I get to learn about, um, you know, their interests, mm-hmm. and kind of contribute through examples that I've encountered yeah. um, to help them develop kind of like a subjective orientation towards cultural production. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, uh, yeah, those are like two attitudes. Sounds pretty good. But um, it's when talking about kind of like these, uh, um, kind of like really like general concepts Mm -hmm. for, of, uh, um, like, uh, like acts of life or life practice or something, I get increasingly spacey. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but which is okay. But that's a. Well, but it's. Um, 
Um, but that's what happens. You know? That's yeah, that's good because I'm sure there's some people who are just like just work all the time, just work, 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 work. That's the way to yeah, yeah to achieve. No. You know, and not everyone feels that way. And well, I don't. I don't particularly feel like um, like. Uh, um, I mean, this is not work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, nor would I kind of imagine that this is, um, you know, I mean, I'm happy to meet you and talk about me and not you, sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and that would be kind of the way that I would become less spacey is by just saying hello and asking right. a question about your life. Right, you know? right. <laughs> Instead exactly. of uh, being kind of uh, the reflective and Projective, yeah, um, missed. Um, but it's uh, but I also see this because um, I haven't done this before um, <clears throat> as an opportunity to um, to kind of um, see what happens. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And I sort of you know. Uh, I didn't really spend much time uh, before this mm-hmm. thinking about um, uh, whether or not um, it would be in my best self-interest to present myself as um, someone who knows exactly what the fuck they're doing, or no, they, isn't that where art dies? Whether, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Right? Or we whether to exactly. kind of do just kind of. Uh, be, you know, yeah. kind of a matter of fact, and not allow kind of uh, the unspooling of kind of interpretive trails that maybe don't go anywhere or do, or those kind of like interlacings. Yeah. Um, oh. Fortunately for me, I don't ever think about how anything is presented. <laughs> I just want to talk to someone, so I just talk. Yeah. And I don't. I, sometimes people will be like, "Oh man, I." Um, don't let me know when this comes out. I can't. I can't listen to myself, and I don't even know if what I'm saying is going to be good or not. And, and I would say, well, fortunately for me, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even worry about it too. Yeah, I don't no, even no, think about course. it. Just like for me, it's like the moment of being able to just talk and spend an hour, you know, talking to someone that I find interesting, as opposed to like going to a desk job and typing in numbers that's or a, something. That's a, your figure. That's a way to get it done. This is a or good keep life. it going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good for me. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's what I enjoy about it. And if you can figure out how to make a dime, yeah. that activity, then it's yeah. Unfortunately, I do this gratis, yeah. <laughs> but it, it feeds my soul. Um, so for people who are uh, who want to see your work or interested in what you're doing, do you have anything coming up or I've, other than this really nice yeah, object? Show. Yeah, thanks. That's a uh, yeah. That book is. Um, I'm happy. Where can people get it if they're interested? I think you can, it's online. Online? You can, you can steal it off the shelves in the gallery. Or don't, no, actually, oh, you nice. should buy it, I guess. Because, Support. Uh, yeah. It's tough because that gallery, it's like, but, you know, I'm old friends with Miguel. We didn't, that was the first show, the gallery mm-hmm. and the whole thing. And so, um, was that on Orchard, the first space? Yeah, yeah. Right? So if, and so it's been interesting kind of, um, or working on the book to kind of, um, uh, um, review kind of like 
those conversations, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, it's funny when kind of I mean, books, you know, books and books and books and books are um, are really uh, um, are being kind of like displayed. Um, uh, as are records and mm -hmm. um, all these kind of um, like media that um, are rapidly obsolescing um, are kind of like forefronted as a way to kind of um, produce a certain kind of uh, representation in order to kind of uh, take care of another kind of business, right. you know. Yeah. And um, but that is kind of like the question which I think Miguel has to does like think about really seriously and struggles with and works with. You know, mm -hmm. it's like a, um, it's kind of you know, uh, um, his kind of investment in kind of what is um, an old game mm -hmm. which is kind of the contribution to context right, right? for the production of right, right. communal discourse mm -hmm. collective production um, discursive sites um, and then on the other side kind of yeah like kind of um, the way that those books uh, stand up as a very particular kind of um, front mm -hmm. And that's why I joke, you know, it's like, well, if you're going to use uh, like the image of books to sell uh, monochromes, then uh, people should just, like, steal the books. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, uh, but um, uh, the books, yeah, like, um, uh, yeah. Those things, it's well, it's nice for me to see. I mean, I'm glad you did it, <laughs> mm. and thanks for that. I mean, I'm really looking forward to, to digging into it. So, and then do you have any shows coming up, or are you just oh, sorry, yeah, and okay. uh, I think in a few weeks I have a show in Portugal. That's nice, uh, uh Murias, and then in November, I'm not exactly sure the opening mm -hmm. in November in Los Angeles at 1301. Nice, so. Mm -hmm. And then back here, maybe the fall. Sounds good. A year from now. But cool. What about you? Just come out. Just hung my show in Tokyo. I was there for six oh, weeks right. over yeah. the summer, and um, and I've got one coming up in Dorna Armory here. Oh, cool. Yeah. So just working on that. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Will it be at the Armory or during? Oh the no, it's at Emmeringer McHenry oh, Gallery cool. during during when the art fair is up. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me come over and chat. Yeah, of course, man. It's been great yeah. to meet you and, and talk about your work. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Sure. Sound and Vision is recorded, organized, produced, edited, and assembled by myself, Brian Alfred. The introduction and accompanying music is provided by Michael Lovett. You can check out his music via his project, Nazca Lines, or catch him as a longtime contributor to the band Metronomy. 
All other music is provided by a longtime collaborator of my own, Sean Seymour, and his project entitled Volatone. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review and a rating as well. You can check out more studio visit images at soundandvisionpodcast.com, and you can find out more about my own work at painchanger.com. I currently have a show at Maho Kubota Gallery in Tokyo and have an upcoming solo show at my New York City representing gallery, Ameringer McHenry Yoey Gallery. Thanks so much for listening to and supporting the podcast, which tries to share the lives of the